Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for a virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. All right, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. So how many people like, like you're a lanyard person? You just like going to events wearing, is it, do we have any of those people? Like give me a good name tag. It's not a lot, do you? My wife does. All right. Um, she wears them around the house. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. She doesn't. She doesn't. I mostly remember her name. And, uh, uh, but but some, some people love this. I remember years ago, and if you're coming to the men's retreat next weekend, you're going to get one. Um, and uh, it just says your name and your blood type. And so, that's a joke. But, uh, but, but I remember years ago, I, I was leading a youth drama team, and it was a good team. We had some, we had some good skits and stuff that we did. And uh, we had done so well that they asked us to be a part of uh, this big citywide event. And it was this giant concert youth outreach event. And they brought in like, and, and this is going to date me, but I, I'm old. Um, th- there's, they brought in like audio adrenaline and the OC Supertones and, and uh, several other bands. I don't remember them all, but, but like Christian bands that we all thought were cool in the year 2000. Um, and, and, but here's the best part. And there's a Christian businessman in the city who just paid for the whole thing. It was called, and this is a very 2000 term, it was called The Edge, right? And uh, Edge of the Millennium, I guess. I don't know. But we, 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 they asked us to do dramas at the thing, at the event, and we got to be backstage with all the bands the whole time. And we got to be backstage because of our lanyards, <laughs> right? So if you had this, you could walk in and out of all the places. And it was so great because you'd walk up with it and be like this, and then they had to let you back in. And, and it, it was so cool. And uh, I remember one, there was, a, there was a worship guy, Jeff Deo. Anybody remember who Jeff Deo is? Two people in the room. Um, but he's the guy who started Sonic Flood, and you're like, I don't know what Sonic Flood is. That was a group too, but... Um, uh, anyway, he, I remember, and we, we like conditioned our youth group, you know, we're here for ministry, not to hang out with Christian celebrities. So I, I bumped into Jeff Dale in the hall. We talked for him and I was like, would you come say hi to our young people? Sure. And he comes in, he's like, hey guys. And they all just froze because they thought we can't say anything to him. <laughs> we're not allowed. Like say hello is okay. But I remember just, if you had the name tag, if you, if you, if you had the thing that got you past security, you could get in anywhere. We could be in the spaces. We weren't restricted. When you come to life in Jesus, you bear a name that makes your life different and gives you access to things you never had before. You can get into places you couldn't before. You're allowed in places you weren't allowed before. You don't strive for joy anymore. It's given to you in Jesus Christ. 
You don't push and earn your place in Jesus anymore. It's granted to you. God gives it to you. It's a gift. Everything that we have that is good and perfect from Jesus Christ is that it's a gift. The Bible says that. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father. But we continue to act like the Galatian church that says, I've got to earn it. I've got to work my way into it. And part of it is, is hard work a godly attribute? It is. But it's a godly attribute. It's not getting our way to God. You can't, we can't, I can't earn our way. You need a lanyard. <laughs> you need something that says, I bear the name. I have the permission. I've been let out. I'm free. I'm no longer in the prison. I get to step out. I get to walk around. I get to be free. I can leave. So there were times, you know, we'd walk out and we'd be like, we want to see that band, so we'd walk out into the crowd. And then we're done, we want to go backstage again. Boom. I get to go. <laughs> and everybody else, you know, oh, lucky. And I'll tell you what, watching Audio Adrenaline eat lunch, not that exciting, actually. It's really, <laughs> wasn't that big of a deal. The OC Supertones, having, you know, hot dogs, not that big of a deal. <laughs> but you thought it was for about five minutes, right? But, but it was, you felt like a big deal. I remember standing on the side of the stage, and this is this pretty neat story. Uh, I think it is. You may think it's super boring, but I'm telling it. And uh, I remember watching Audio Adrenaline's drummer, and next to his drum set, he had a five-gallon pail filled with drumsticks. And you would never have known, unless you were by him, he broke sticks every, like, third to fifth line. And he'd just pick up another one through the whole set. He was breaking sticks chronically, like, just playing super hard. I've never seen that in any other drummer before since. Maybe that's a thing. Is that a thing? You guys drum. I don't know. I haven't seen that before. Have you? He had a five-gallon pail filled with drumsticks, and he was breaking them nonstop. But he never missed his, never missed his beat because he had it so down where as soon as it broke, he just grabbed it and kept going. It was, it was amazing. And I had some of those fragment pieces. I picked up some as souvenirs. And then years later, you're like, it's a piece of wood, and I don't care, and I threw it out. But, but at the time, I'm like, this is really cool, you know. And, but I had access to something other people didn't have access to. And that's what you have in Jesus. You have an access to freedom and life and joy because you bear his name. In Galatians 3, and here's the thing, I've only got two Sundays left to talk about this series and so I've got to cram a lot in a short amount of time. Uh, and we're going to do our best here. But Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to do this through the whole chapter today. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. Paul's talking to the church in Galatia. And again, people have infiltrated the church in Galatia and basically said, you have to perform to get to Jesus. Or, or Jesus came to you, he's forgiven you, but now you still have to do all the Old Testament stuff. Which is not great news when you're a guy and you're 30-something and you need to be circumcised. It's really bad news. That's a bad day. That's, I, I don't understand. To me, I'd be like, I'm out. Good, 
It's good knowing you. I think I'm going to join the club down the road. I'm not in on this, right? There, there are certain things I won't sign up for. That's one of them. Okay, so, so Paul finds them, and not only that, he sees the spiritual leaders like Peter and others doing the same thing and starting hanging out with the Jewish people in the church and pulling away from the Gentiles, Interesting thing about legalism is it lends itself to more sin, not more righteousness. Basically, they started becoming racists. I can't hang out with you. I've got to hang out with these ones are better. They're more holy. They're, they're, they're more godly. It, it, it's messed up. And, and Paul writes in Galatians 3, and this is when he finally, Paul has had enough. He blows his top. He's like, listen to me. And let's just go there and and read it. Galatians chapter 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if it had been a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the life of the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it wasn't in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Let me interject something really quick. Those who want to see God do a great move and pour out revival and think holiness will get us revival, the Bible just said you're wrong. The Spirit doesn't move because of how good we are. The Spirit moves because of how good He is. Verse 6, in the same way Abraham believed God and counted Him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the Scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in His sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who doesn't observe and obey all the commandments that are written in God's book of law. So if you think you can obey the Bible, the Bible itself in the Old Testament says, if you say, I could follow the law to be good, you're actually cursed. Because if you can't do them all, you can't do any of them. As far as God's concerned, if you don't get them all right, you've got none of them right. So what do we need? We need a Savior who can make it right. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it's through faith a righteous person has a way of life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it's through obeying the law the person has life. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on a cross, he took that curse on himself for our wrongdoing. It's written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Jesus basically becomes the curse. And through Christ Jesus, God has blessed Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the Holy Spirit through him. Here's what happened. We moved from prisoners into the palace. 
We moved, we moved, and the, and the Israelites, the Jews, moved from being the people of God into now being able to be the children of God. See, if, if you were the president and you bear that president's name, you can get into anywhere in the White House you probably want because you're the president's son or daughter but not because you're good. I'm a pretty good, I think, American citizen, right? I have no crimes, I have no felonies, I pay my taxes, and then some, and then, and then right? And, 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 and yet, if I went to the White House, I'm not getting in, <laughs> right? But if I'm a president's child, they're going to let me in. And if they know it, I don't even need to show ID. They're just going to let you in. That, that's the way it is. You, you bear the name. Paul is rebuking the Galatians because they're being duped. They're being brainwashed into this idea that you can somehow go back and, and improve on what Jesus did. Anything that teaches us we can go back on what Jesus did and then make it better, we are deceiving ourselves. And so many Christians find themselves doing that. So many Christians are like, where's the better church? Or, or where's the better movement? Or where's the better revival? Or where's the better speaker? And if I learn this new Hebrew, Greek, Latin, Aramaic truth, then I'm gonna, and if I say it this way and that way, and, and I find that funny. And like there's some people like, if you, say the, uh, if you say this thing that way, then God hears you better. <laughs> okay. Or, or I don't celebrate Christmas. We were talking about it last night with the grin. It's, that has pagan roots. Well, first, it doesn't, and that's been debunked. But, but let's say, do you, do you say the word Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday? Okay, that's from pagan words. Sun, it's from a Viking pagan religion. Sunday was the sun's day. Thursday is Thor's day. That's how we name that. Do you, do you, have you changed the name of the days of the week? Because if not, you're a pagan. You're not allowed to say Thursday because that's worshiping Thor. No, it's just what it was named. We're not worshiping Thor now. Maybe we're like, we should rename the days of the week. Believe us, we have bigger fish to fry. We got bigger problems than pagan names in our weekdays. We really do. We got bigger problems than should you have a Christmas tree or not. Side note, you should. Okay, so right, we got bigger issues. So, like, can you do a trunk or treat and not worship the devil? Yes, you can. But if you don't like it, that's fine. But we got bigger issues. And one of the bigger issues Paul's talking about, one of the bigger issues is trying to fix issues coming up that aren't issues. Why? I think part of it is it's a straw man argument. If I say you have to follow these rules to get to Jesus... The devil subtly takes our eyes off of what was really going on. And he gets us slowly back in this prison cage that he wants us in, obeying his rules, because I'm standing there saying, hey, you better be better. Hey, you need to do better. Hey, you shouldn't be doing that, when all the while I'm bound up to my own rules and religion. 
Instead of saying, Jesus did this for me, and I'm not going to get bound up again. I'm going to live free in Jesus' name, and I'm going to walk out my freedom. He doesn't tell me, you can watch this and you can't watch that. There are things that the Bible's very clear, right? Pornography is not of God. It's a sin, and he's against it, right? So we don't watch that, okay? But beyond that, some of you are like, oh, you can't watch Saving Private Ryan because it's rated R. There's not too many people who have that conversation, but there's a few. I'm like, no, actually, not, not so much. And if I lived in, in Jesus' times, I would have seen that stuff firsthand. You know, we're blessed. A lot of us, we don't, we'll never see that stuff in our lifetime outside of a movie. We bind ourselves up and brainwash ourselves into, here's what it really is, it's idolatry. It's elevating ourselves up to a level of rules that we have to then maintain in order for Jesus to approve of us. See, holiness is the pursuit of God because you love him and you want to be like him. Legalism, Phariseeism, is a selfish pursuit that says, I need to do these things so that I can be approved of by God and I'm better than other people. I want to be holy. I want to be better and improve. I want to draw lines and boundaries in my life that guard me from the enemy and don't pull me into sin. But those boundaries are led by the Holy Spirit, not by rules I make up along the way. If you're making up the rules, Paul even unpacks it in numerous places, but he says in one verse, everything's permissible, not everything is beneficial. You're actually, the hard thing about following Jesus is it's not that hard. (laughs) There's a lot of freedom. You're afforded a lot of freedom. You're allowed to do a lot of stuff. And Jesus isn't like, wrong, smack. He's just not. He's looking at us and saying, hey, you can do better. Hey, you're my son. You're my daughter. I I don't want you to do that. I want you to act like me. And here's a good example. When you're raising your kids, right, we all have rules in our house with our kids, right? If you don't you got some rough kids, right? Um, there are those who are like, I just let my kids express themselves, and they just get to choose if, or if they want to go to school and whatever they want to. I don't put restriction. I just want them to discover who they are. I just want them to find out. Well, I want my kids to have pants on. <laughs> right? Has anybody ever noticed at a certain age between zero and three, kids don't like clothes, Right? Just, they just want a certain amount of naked time. That can go on for so long until it's a federal crime. Right? You can't let that keep going. There is a point. There is a stopping point that says it's not so much not cute as it is illegal. And we have to say no more. Right? There are rules you have in your house, and you have them for reasons, right? And, and once they turn 18, or they move out of your house, or all of the above, those rules are gone, right? Even if you have them in your house, 
they, they do or don't have to obey them, right? Colin's 18 now, my oldest, he's 18. Does he have to follow the rules? Well, he does if he wants to live in my house. But even then, there are times he'll disobey a rule. And it'll be like, you may be 18, but you still live here, right? But, but mostly, we set those rules up so that when they become an adult, they now have boundaries in their own life that they uphold. Most of our rules in our houses are to shape their person and protect them, not to make them obey us and be Right? We do that. God's law in the Old Testament, outside of the civil and ceremonial, outside of the rules about, you know, uh, when you're unclean and clean, but the top ten, the ten commandments, the big ten, okay? Those rules are to shape us. That's who God is. That's what his character is like. So the same thing applies to us. We now model and live those out, not as slaves to it, but as God, let this be who I am. Now, we're not bound to it like we're a kid who's 12 in the house. We're now kids who are full-blown, adopted into God's family, His children, brought in, and God says to us, you are now free to walk out like an 18-year-old who still lives in the house. There's a lot of freedom, but there's still the character of what those rules stood for that I want to live out. Does that make sense? Paul's fuming mad at these people like, you're acting like a child again. Grow up. You think you're mature, but you're acting like a child. Have you ever seen a teenager who believes they're an adult, which means you've seen a teenager? <laughs> right? They're just, just like, if they're 14, 15, like, uh, I know, I get it. Like, man, you, you get nothing, <laughs> right? Or, 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 or like 18 to 25-year-olds, like, especially straight out of college. Oh, man. I remember, and I'm talking about me. Like, when I was 18, 19, 20, I just, I knew all the things. I'm just, like, I know everything. You can't tell me. I know, I know, I know nothing. You know, I was stupid, and I knew nothing. But I was convinced. I remember fighting with my parents. Like, I worked this job from, like, 3.30 to 10.30 over summer. And at 10.30 every night when I'd get home, at night, I had to go back out with my friends. My parents were like, you don't have to go every night. Yes, I do. I do. Why? Because I'm young and stupid. (laughs) And I don't know what I don't know. But in that moment, I thought I was being mature and awesome. And I was being a child, and I was acting like one. So even though I was an adult and free, I was acting like a child and a prisoner. And when we recreate our walk with Jesus into a system of the cans and the cannots, instead of the want-tos and the undesirables, we bind ourselves back up in the prison. Do you want God to change your behavior or do you want God to change your heart? Because if God changes our heart, our behavior is going to change. I, I, I want to not do bad things. 
But more than that, I want to not want to do bad things. You see what I'm saying? Like, change me. Change my desires. Change my... I, I don't want to run into sin because, because, because it breaks my father's heart. Because I bear his name and I dishonor his name when I do those things. You see what I mean? Write an example. Right now, like one of our president's kids, Hunter Biden, he has had a rough, bad life. He's made a lot of bad choices. And to tell you the truth, I'm a little glad we don't have the media that talks about him as much. Because I don't want to hear about it. I don't need to hear about people's brokenness and their sin. It's already out there enough. I don't, I don't, I don't need it to be on the front. I don't want to hear about it. He's well, the last president. That did. I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. I, I don't. There's enough sin in the news. Who needs to hear more? I want to hear about those we can honor and those and carrying out God's name and the name of our Father in honor. I'd like to act like that a little more in my life and a little less like garbage, but because he's changing me from the inside. He's changing the root system and not just the fruits. If you have a fruit tree, right? You don't take off the bad apples and you're like, I fixed it. I got a tree that's dying in my front yard. It's got a disease. At some point, I'm going to have to take it down. But over the years, I've taken off the bad parts hoping, and no, and now winter's here, and it's everywhere. Because something, it's not the branches, it's not what's on the outside, it's not the leaves, it's what's on the inside of that tree that's killing it. What's coming out is what's wrong within. Our good actions on the outside don't make us good on the inside. If God changes this, eventually all this gets changed. But if I'm ever changed here, it doesn't matter what's good out here. And that's what Pharisees do. They clean the outside. Jesus talked about that. They clean the outside, but inside they're a mess. I want to be right on the inside. I want to be pure of heart. God, do that in me. He goes on in verse 15. And he says, dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave them the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice the scriptures doesn't say to his children, if it were meant for many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham couldn't be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. Right? So here's what we need to know. God established himself and his promise before the law. So whatever God was going to do was greater than the Ten Commandments or the 613 laws of the Old Testament. His promise is bigger than his law. Okay, keep going. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then, then it wouldn't be the result of keep, accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. 
So right there, did Abraham do anything to earn this? No. And God made a promise to Abraham anyway. Why? Because Abraham had faith that God is who he said he is, and he believed the Lord. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins, but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is more helpful than one party must reach an agreement, but God, who is one who did not, did not use a mediator when he gave the promise to Abraham, is there a conflict between God's laws and his promises? Absolutely not. But if the law could, not, could give us new life, he would be made right by God by obeying it. But the, script, the scriptures declare we're all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Verse 19, I want to point out a verse, because I wrestled. So why does the law exist if Jesus came and did it? The, the, Jesus said, I haven't come to condemn the law, but to fulfill it, so it hasn't been done away with, I don't get it. Verse 19, it said it right there, just that one verse, to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. The Bible teaches the law, as you understood it, is over. Jesus did it. And that's what it was set up for. The law, was, the law was set up for us to see a mirror that we're sinners. We know murder's wrong. Why is it wrong? Because God set it up as wrong, and it's not who he is. He's not a murderer. Taking innocent life is against God. God isn't an adulterer. He doesn't cheat on us. He doesn't cheat on himself. God doesn't lie, ever. He asks us to be the same way. But he also knew, I'm setting this up, and you're going to see that you're a sinner. But I'm also setting up because you're going to see that I'm going to live this out perfectly because it's who I am. Jesus didn't check all the boxes. Jesus was the box that needed to be checked. Do you see the difference? Jesus does it fully, and he lives it out perfectly. So there's groups where uh, uh, the Greens just let me know about one. Anybody here ever heard of Hebrew roots besides the Greens? I'd never heard of it either. But it's a cult, and it's exactly what the Galatians did 2,000 years ago. It's a group that says, we're going to go back and we're going to do the law. Another group that does it is the Seventh-day Adventists. We're going to live by the law. But the problem is, if you spend five minutes with them and you know your Bible, you're going to realize they don't live up to the law. Because they probably have some polycotton blends. And if you have some, you're in sin. <laughs> and if you don't call yourself unclean during your monthly time and spend it outside the camp, you're in sin. And so is everybody who's in contact with you. Sorry, this is not my rules, this is the Bible, okay? This is the Old Testament. And I could keep going. If you have earrings, if you have, if you have piercings, if you wear the wrong type of makeup, if you eat pork of any kind. Now, that's the one they seem to keep up. Like, we, can, we don't eat pork. Oh, see? So, we don't eat pork, and from Friday night to Saturday night, we honor the Sabbath. But do you do all these other things? <clears throat> well, well, yeah, I do some of the. Well, then you've broken the law. Well, the, Jesus, you know, he, he did it so that we don't. No, 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 now you're saying that you can pick and choose from the law what you do and you don't honor. 
which basically Paul just said, if you've broken one of the law, you've broken all the law. So any which way you're a hypocrite, you're an idolater, you're a sinner, and you're separated from God. So Jesus did it all, paid it all, and is all, or he's nothing. And there is no in-between, but that's great news. So for all the rule keepers out there, you're probably sitting there like, Whoa. but I like the rules. <laughs> I want things to follow and boxes to check. I remember the first time I ever heard a pastor swear, and I was like, how are they even in the ministry? Take the, strike the, smite them, Lord. Until I realized, oh, oh, they're human, and they make mistakes, and that, that's, all they, that's all they can be, because it's Jesus who's our high priest. They're just an under-shepherd doing their best. And sometimes they're not doing their best, and that's okay, because Jesus is who he is. See, I'm not all the things here. And I, we don't have that culture. At least I don't think so. <laughs> but I don't need to be because Jesus is all the things here. He's everything. Not me. We can't uphold the law. It's impossible. And Jesus even said that. He's a heart God, right? So if you're like, well, I've never murdered anybody. I've never had any idols made of wood in my house. I've never cheated on my spouse. I've never, I don't lie anymore. I don't sin. Jesus took that a lot further. And he's like, okay, you ever been angry at somebody? Yeah, then you're a murderer because you murdered them in your heart. Well, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, now we've got a problem. Jesus is like, okay. Oh, I don't commit adultery. Mm -hmm. You ever looked at somebody with a little bit of lust in your heart? Seen that in your eye? Scroll, and you're like, hmm. Yeah, in that moment, you committed adultery, and the Lord saw it, and he knew. You're judged by it. Have you ever even for a moment put something before God and maybe put yourself first? Just ever? Oh, well, then you're an idolater. That's three of ten, right? We've got a ways to go. We're... we're Without Jesus, we're kind of screwed. Without Jesus, we're in the prison. You say, well, Jesus made it so that I can fulfill the law. No, he didn't. Jesus gave you grace so that you can greater honor his name. And part of that is the law. But in an increasing sense in your life, not in a perfect wholeness sense. In the perfect wholeness sense, that's only what he did. In the increasing sense, that's his work now in our life. Here's the, here's the two terms, okay? One is redemption or justification. The other, sanctification. In a moment, because of what Jesus did, you're, sancti you're justified and you're redeemed, and God sees you in light of his son. But over the process of your life, till you die and go see him, or he comes back for us, you're being sanctified and being made more like him. So your spirit and your soul, your spirit's redeemed, forgiven, alive and renewed in a moment. But your soul and your flesh, your, your earthly body, that's the slow process that's being done over time and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Which is good news, right? It's actually really good news 
So if you're a rule keeper, the good news is you can still honor the Ten Commandments. God still doesn't want you to lie. It's still a sin. But for the rule breakers, and there's, a, there's numerous, uh, and we're all rule breakers at some point. But for the rule breakers, God would say to you, hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. I've got this covered, and why don't you come a little bit closer? I'm going to help you break these rules even less. I'm going to make you more of a rule keeper. In Judaism, Satan isn't seen like we see him as this enemy horned creature. Judaism sees <coughs> Satan, excuse me, as a little more like a prosecutor who stands and uses the law as a way to say, this is what you're doing wrong, and this is what they're guilty of. Well, there's an accurate picture there. Now, he's more than that, but he is that too. The devil hasn't been around for tens of thousands of years and doesn't know the law. He knows the word. He knows the word probably better than you and I do. He knows it pretty well. He, he understands it. He, un, he knew the law before the law was given to Moses because he sat in God's presence. He knew who God was. And he, to this day, if you and I think we can get by by being good and following the rules, you have a really um, incredible, devious prosecutor able to point out to you what you're doing wrong all the time. Some of you have that now. The accuser is in your head and in your heart often saying, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You could have done that better. Why don't you improve here more? Why don't you look at it this way? What You did this, and I saw, God saw that. Here's the thing. Devil isn't bad at lying. He's really good at it. And it's not because... It's, it's, not, it's because he tells the best lies aren't bold-faced. They're partial truths. He said it to Eve in the garden. Did God really say? And he says to you now, this is wrong. And you know what? He's half right. That thing may be wrong in my life, but greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I am redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm under mercy. I'm in the scene by grace. I'm forgiven. Every single day, God sees me and he approves because of what Jesus did for me, what Jesus did for you. You're not under the rules. You're under grace if you're in Jesus. Now, if you're not in Jesus, you're under law and you're in the prison. But if you're in him, it's a different story. You now bear his name. You're his son. You're his daughter. There's, and here's the best part. He's not just your father. Your dad is the judge who determines your sentence. And if you were set free from the prison, he's the justice system. And that's what Jesus paid he did it. You're forgiven. It's over. This much freedom is foreign to us. 
It's hard to receive. It's hard to hear. We naturally, by our very nature, somebody said this to me a while, years ago, and it's been so good. It's a human frailty to always want to explain or blame. It's what we want to do. We want to create rules to thereby condemn somebody. Just having this conversation, at this point, you would think, whether you're vaccinated or not, you could be with anybody because you realize if you're vac vaccinated, you can get it, you can spread it, and vice versa, right? So you'd think, why can't we get... But some people need to blame and explain what's wrong. It's what our government's doing wrong right now. It's what our world is doing wrong. And the thing is, who probably did it wrong isn't getting blamed at all. They've, they've got us blaming each other, going after one another. If this person hadn't, then we wouldn't have had that super spreader event. Stop. What good has come from it? None. We haven't solved anything. We've made it worse. And what is it? It's the accuser, the enemy of our souls, the prosecutor running rampant in our world, unchecked. And none of us are recognizing it because we're not seeing life through the eyes of Jesus and the one who doesn't accuse us but says we're forgiven, we're loved, we're redeemed. And, I can for and by that I can forgive others. Some of you won't forgive yourself. And in that moment, you're an idolater. Because your forgiveness is now greater than God's. If he's forgiven you, what right do you have to hold on to your own sin? It's this weird self-righteousness. It's the Phariseeism that says, I know God has forgiven me, but... But, but, but here's the thing, I, I, know, I know if I do this and I put myself back here, then, then, then somehow I'm, I'm holier and, and I'm better. If I put myself back in the prison and just, just hold the door closed, I know I'm forgiven, I, I know I'm set free, but if I, if I just do this, then somehow God loves me just a little bit more, he can understand my sin or have more mercy on me. Did God really set us free and call us sons and daughters so that we can have a false humility or piety that says we're supposed to be less than? He didn't. And he closes the chapter out with this. Before the way of Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came, protected us until we could be made right with God through faith, and now the way of faith has come. We no longer need the law as our guardian, for you are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All who've been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, Male or female, you alone are one in Christ Jesus. You all are one in Christ Jesus, and now you belong to Christ. You're the true children of Abraham. You're his heirs, and God's promise belongs to you. Your 
identity has changed. Not just your place, your person. Say, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a porn addict. You don't believe what Jesus did for you. It's not who you are. Let it permeate in your hearts. If you fail a thousand times, then a thousand times may you understand his mercies just a little bit more. He loves you that much. God is in the business of working on failures and redeeming them over and over and over. Let him tell you again and again, if you fail, guess what? That's an event. It's not a person. Failure is an event. It's not a person. When you're in Jesus Christ, you're no longer a failure. You're not a loser anymore. You're not fatherless anymore. You're not nobody anymore. You're not, you're not a stepchild. You're not a foster kid. You're not an orphan. You're not an outcast. You're not a nobody. You are loved, beloved, treasured, and whole. You went from the orphanage to the palace. You went from the prison to the king's house. That's who you are. Say, well, I don't feel it. Doesn't matter, because the Bible says it, and it's true. I don't see it working out in my life. Then you're looking at the tree on the outside, and not what Jesus did. Look at a tree 2,000 years ago, and not your own. Where Jesus hung on the tree for you. It says, I got this. And what did he do on that moment? He cried out, Abba! The first time in history. And the Bible then says, and now by that same spirit, we can cry Abba. It's the first time in history, and the best translation is Daddy. Nobody in Scripture ever before referenced God like that. And now in the New Testament, did you know there were certain names, Jehovah, you weren't even allowed to say that out loud because it was God's holiness in person, and you can't refer to him like that. You can't just say his name. Now it says, not only can you say his name, call him Daddy. Call him an affectionate father who's near and dear to me. That's who he says you are. Do you really want to go back there and appeal to the judge you can't see? Or do you want to be out here free and say, Daddy, help. Daddy, I need you. In one of the best moments of my fatherhood, and he's not here today, so I can share the story. This is one of the worst and one of my favorite moments at a dad. A little over a year ago, I got a call from Colin on a rainy November night, and he cries and says, Dad, I got in an accident. Okay, are you? Yeah, we're okay. Tell me where you are. I'm there. And I remember I got to drive there, and it's rainy and cold, and my sons are scared and shaken. I just grabbed my arms and held them. And he thought I was going to be mad or he's going to be in trouble. I feel like, you know, I've had a lot of crappy moments out of dad because I'm human, but not that one. That one I'm pretty sure I got right. I love you. It's okay. Nobody's mad at you. I just want you to be okay. I just want you to be whole. I'm just glad you're safe. And that God had his hand on your life. 
and that my boys are all right, and that dad's here, and I'm going to take you home, and we're going to take care of all of this. And our father's like that, but infinitely, totally and permanently with no flaws. He doesn't ever have a bad day. So if you're like, God's mad at me, you don't know him. God hasn't fixed this in me. He wants to, and he's working it out. Well, I got to keep these rules, Pastor Brian. I got to do better. You cannot improve on what Jesus did, so stop trying. You don't need to improve in your walk. You need to understand the work of the cross better. You need to understand the power of the resurrection more. Lean into it, not not improve on it. You can't make it better. I don't care if you've been divorced, if you've been bankrupt, if you've been orphaned, if you cheated on them, if they cheated on you, you lost it all, business, in and out of drugs. I don't care because Jesus did it and he's enough. It's the reason why I'm not kicking people out of Thrive and I won't. If you're breathing, he loves you. So we have to as well. (laughs) You're loved. You're forgiven. You're free. And by this, we call him Abba, Daddy. And I'll just say this, and I'm going to close. Some of you, that's hard for you. Because your dad wasn't the greatest. Some of you have had awesome dads. But a lot of you, you haven't. Your dad wasn't there. Your dad was harsh. Your dad was vacant. Your dad was gone too soon. So you have a hard time with Daddy God. Okay, then think about every one of you who said, I didn't have that dad. You looked at somebody else's dad and you're like, I want that dad. Okay, take that dad and make him perfect and eternal and lacking in nothing. God's like that dad. And you have him got that dad. That dad you always wanted, you've always had. He's here now. He wants you to know him. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. So long.